talked about loving God with all your heart and how our heart is our motives, affections, and feelings. And I think you could put emotions in this category as well. And while I'm sure there's some disagreement, let's just go with that. Um, our emphasis yesterday was on the fact that we need to receive God's love. And today I want to I want to think about the heart again. Having started, though, with the emphasis on receiving God's love, there is still a lot we can and need to do when it comes to our hearts. We're so driven by our hearts. We're so driven by our motives, our affections, our feelings, and emotions these days that it's actually pretty scary. In fact, we're at a point where we're actually legislating based on feelings. And I'm sure that's not going to end badly at all. But in a world driven by our hearts, it's easy for us to get caught up in the same things. Now, don't hear me saying that we shouldn't have feelings. We absolutely should have feelings. In fact, I think a great disservice was done through the age of reason, which emphasized thought over feelings. Though there are also some really good things that come out of that too. But if you've been going through our Philippians Bible study here on Workplace on Tuesday evenings, you know that joy is actually a good feeling in the soul which is produced in us by the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's not something that we conjure up on ourselves, but it's produced in us by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So we absolutely should have deep gut-level feelings about God and our brothers and sisters in Christ, which, by the way, is how Paul starts his letter to the Philippian church, talking about his gut-level feeling of love for them. But we must also be aware of our feelings and be wise about them. So scripture has several warnings about the heart, and if we're not careful, we can find ourselves worshiping things that aren't God, and that's called idolatry. So what do we need to know, then, about our hearts? First, one practical thing I think we know we need to know is that we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We need to be very careful about what we let get into our hearts. Because those things that get into that level of our being have a tendency to drive the way we live. And Philippians 4.7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when our hearts are filled up with God's love, and when Christ is the source of the spring in our hearts, we can trust that the Spirit of Christ is going to guard our hearts. You'll actually be able to discern between the things that are of God and the things that aren't of God that are seeking to manipulate your heart and those things that are the heart of God. So let me ask you a question. Who has the authority to stir your heart? Who or what are you letting stir you up? Are you allowing your heart to be influenced and even manipulated by those outside the faith? So we need to guard our hearts. Number two, we need to examine and let God examine our hearts. Psalm 26 verse 2 says, Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. A big part of walking humbly with God, which is a big thing we're about as a church, right? Doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God. A big part of walking humbly with God is giving him unrestricted access to our hearts. When we want God to be the source, we also want God to root out anything in our heart that is taking up space that he designed for himself to occupy. God wants to occupy your heart. 
So we need to be constantly letting God through his word, through his spirit, and through his family be about the work of examining our hearts. And instead of getting offended when God uses one of these, the, his word, his spirit, and his, and his body, his church body, his family, instead of being offended when God uses one of these to shine a spotlight on an issue, which is very easy for us to do when we're talking about our hearts, instead of being offended, we need to see it as God's fatherly love for his child. He wants what's best for us. He wants what's best for you. And this thing that is in there, in your heart, isn't his best for you, and he wants to get rid of it. So we need to let God examine our hearts. So when was the last time you let God do a gut check on you? And how do we examine or let God examine our hearts? Do we even go about that process? So we need to guard our hearts. We need to let God examine our hearts, and we need to examine our hearts. Third, we need to Think about the meditations of our heart. Psalm 19, verse 14. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The meditations of our hearts. One very practical way that we can do this is to just meditate on God, his love, his heart, his truth, and his great grace. What is meditation? Well, it's an intense focus. It's, it's not like we think of it where we're supposed to empty our minds of all thought. That's not the meditation we're talking about biblically. It's focusing intently on God, letting our minds be consumed with Him. And as we intently focus on God, there will be other things that come to mind to distract us. And chances are, those are some of the things that God wants to deal with. They might not be bad things, but somehow they've gotten deep in our hearts and are taking up God's space. So, what are we meditating on? When was the last time you intensely focused on God, His love, His heart, His truth, and His grace? The fourth thing is the hardening of the heart. One of the dangers and and warnings we see in Scripture is that our hearts can be hardened. In fact, God describes our, our hearts as hearts of stone before He does His work in us. Pharaoh's heart was hardened towards Moses. Some of some of that was Pharaoh's doing, but we also see God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And we have to ask the question, why would God do that? And that's a hard question. But Pharaoh was an evil dictator. His heart was already hardened towards God as he had enslaved one and a half million Israelites who happened to be God's chosen people. Romans 9 actually tells us that God did this to display his power. He hardened Pharaoh's heart to display his power, and it was God's decision to do that. Well, that's a complex issue we don't have time to get into, but I don't think we should walk around in fear that our hearts are being hardened, so don't, don't get fearful about that. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation, and you've had a heart transplant. But I think there are some warnings that we can take from this, that maybe our hearts haven't been hardened, but maybe they're becoming calloused. That's the state that Israel's heart was in when Jesus was doing his ministry, because he actually quotes from a passage in Isaiah uh, when he's teaching the parable of the soil, and he talks about why we are why why we as believers are able to understand his parables, but others can't, and it's because our hearts aren't calloused like others are, or that the Pharisees were. But if we find ourselves having a hard time hearing and seeing God, if we find ourselves telling God what to do instead of doing what He says. If we find ourselves worrying about things in this life, if we find ourselves becoming more comfortable with the influence of the world than we are with the influence of the kingdom, then we're probably drifting towards a calloused heart. And Matthew 6.23 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the fifth thing, the last thing for today, is trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then Jesus uses this phrase, pure in heart. Now this is not all that the Bible teaches about the heart. 
But this is where we're going to stop for now. So Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, Matthew 5, 8. And Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. God wants to be the motive that drives our lives. God wants our hearts. He wants our hearts to be completely and entirely motivated by his love that he's given to us. Being pure in heart is a gift, but it's also a both and. God gives it to us as a gift, and we give it to him as a gift in response. Constantly, we're giving him our hearts. Trusting God with all your heart is a daily pursuit. It's if, if it's not a daily pursuit, it's an hourly pursuit. And if it's not an hourly pursuit, it's an every passing moment pursuit. It is going with God even when it doesn't add up. It means doing what God wants even when the world's ways seem to be so much more logical. It means that the desires of our heart are for Him and that we're living in constant communion with Him so that we know His heart for us in all things. It's a constant state of surrender. It's, it's a daily sacrificing of my life and picking up God's life for me. It's finding my joy in the cross and seeing everyone through that lens. That's pure in heart. That's trusting the Lord with all your heart. And I know that all that we've said sounds like a lot, but it's a big deal. The heart is a big deal. And this is where everything begins. This is where everything will flow from. And this is where God wants to plant his love for us in our hearts. This is where he wants to dig the well that springs up in us to eternal life. It is in our hearts. It it will only be out of God doing this work in us that the rest of our lives, which is loving God with our mind and our strength and loving our neighbors of ourselves, it is only it will only be out of God doing this work in us that the rest of our lives will actually make sense and be attainable. So, let me ask you a question. How are you doing at loving God with all your heart?